0: Today's program is brought to you by Thurman Maple Days. Celebrate flowing of sap in the Adirondacks. Self-guiding to seven sites for talks, tours, tastes, and old-fashioned friendliness. For more information, visit ThurmanMapleDays.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this
1: program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
2: This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking It's coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday. This time a little late, well, you know, whatever, but noonish to like
0: late. This is your normal time.
2: Well, no, but I feel like it's late because we have a guest today. That's true. On the Heritage Radio Network, uh, uh, broadcasting from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joined as usual with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Nastasia? Good. We got Jackie Molecules in the booth. How you doing?
0: I'm um, great. Just got back from Charleston.
2: Oh yeah, how was it? It was good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, get to, I, I got there early and drove through the Low Country to all those weird little islands.
2: Right, well, let's talk about that in a second. We have a special guest in the studio, uh, the maestro of the food lab, which sold uh, how many billion copies did you sell, out, Kenji?
3: <laughs> Not quite a billion yet, but we're we're working on it. Yeah. Working on it. Kenji
2: yeah. Lopez, all billion billion selling book, New York Times bestseller though,
3: right? Uh, yeah, yeah, for a little while. Yeah, yeah. nice, nice. Oh,
2: yeah, I think it was something like a, a billion. In fact, uh, we share a publisher and, and an uh, editor. Oh, that's what I meant, yeah, an editor, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't even, I, mean, I think of her as, like, the whole, the kind of right, edifice, right. <laughs> Maria Shelley, you know, uh, world-renowned uh, editor. Anyway, so, like, your, the success of your book actually got her off my back for a while, because she's <laughs> not, wasn't for a while worried about my second book, because of the enormous success. You, you uh, have a second
3: book coming, or? Uh, well,
2: yeah, cocktails yes. Cocktails also? No, no, not, no cocktails. No cocktails, no recipes, I think. Oh, huh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like food rants maybe food, yeah maybe self help yeah uh, adult coloring books uh, I'd have to have Nastasia do them and then steal her ideas because Nastasia is the Nastasia is the line drawing queen. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. I mean, I could get my wife to do it, but that would be weird. It'd be easier. Like we could just come out with a book together, and I could just say do this, and Nastasia would do the line drawings. One of the one of the lesser known Nastasia Lopez skills. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's true. Nastasia is a uh, is a inveterate uh, doodler, and you like working in pen, right? Yeah, I do like not pencil pen. pen 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 she's a pen worker likes pens um, although you don't like fancy no. pens you don't give a rat's ass no. about fancy no, th- no, rats no. behind rather no. family show <laughs> about you're like you know no. any old any old bic any old bic will do no. uh, so jack so now that we uh, now that we're all here so tell us about the islands you went to uh, which islands did you go uh, to
0: Edisto Island and St. Helena Island Yeah? Yeah.
2: Is that where like all the, the gullah stuff's happening? Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Did I get, got some frogmore stew.
2: Yeah, what's in Frogmore stew?
0: It's like uh just shrimp uh, that you have to peel yourself and like uh boiled potatoes and corn, that kind of thing.
2: Uh presumably it doesn't taste like uh the Cape Cod version of that though.
0: Uh no, it did. well, you know, I can't say that I've ever really spent much time in Cape Cod. What? Yeah. Don't no, you no, live in the northeast? I know, it's weird, right?
2: What's your Cape Cod equivalent? What's your East co- what's your Northeast beach mentality? Based well, like around?
0: I'm from Long Island, you know. All so right,
2: so it's the same crap? I guess so. <laughs> it's all the same crap. We're, yeah. we're on long island
0: i'm from a place called west babylon so it's like a south shore border of nassau suffolk kind of mm. right in the middle
3: mm. Mm. so yeah. you're,
2: you're not really a beach thing but you drive out to montauk
3: yeah and hang out with billy joel or <laughs> wow. oh yeah so, you
2: know i've never been to montauk <laughs> i really
3: don't like billy oh, joel
0: nice.
2: actually you don't like whoa whoa whoa, whoa what i'm sorry <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa stas you hear that i heard that I'm sorry stas yeah stas huge billy joel fan yeah I actually, uh, like... i you... from the West Coast, so it's like... Yeah, but how can you come from Long Island and not like Billy Joel? It doesn't make any freaking sense.
0: Because I always hated Long Island, even when I was a kid.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, so came like... from, I came from Jersey, you know, back in the day. That's where I went to elementary school. I still like Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen. And, I was going to say, and Bruce, yeah? Yeah. Well, I didn't like Bon Jovi at the time, but with age comes perspective um. on how kind of perfect. Uh, slippery When Wet is, like, almost like, you know... Moses came down and was like, "Slippery when wet." You know what I mean? It's wow. like when you think about the perfection, of like the, it's like you know that childhood fans. It's it's awesome. You know what I mean? Like I didn't like it at the time.
3: I'm more of a Springsteen fan than Joe Bon Jovi, actually. Yeah, are you from Jersey? Uh, no, I'm from New York. Oh well, yeah, yeah. So
2: you get to look down on us folk yeah. who live in...
3: where in New York originally. Um, I, I grew up in Harlem. Oh yeah, real New York. Yeah, so you were
2: one of those city kids that I hated. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now my kids are those city kids. But I think I think I've said this before. I think it's uh, it's a lot different now because you can be cool and like live in the suburbs now because of the internet.
3: Right. Right. You where, can be cool anywhere these days.
2: Yeah. Whereas back in the day, you know, we felt like losers, like us suburban kids. We felt like Losers. What about you and Covina Stas? Loser. Loser. Although the, the internet was around when? When you were in high school it happened? Too late though for you. Senior year, yeah. Yeah. The internet didn't happen until basically I was done with college.
3: I, I, got, I got email when I was in high school, but it, it was like internal email in the school.
2: I literally remember when like, I saw the first email I'd ever seen. And by the way, you know, the guy that invented email just died like two days ago. Really? Yeah, I forget his name. He died like he was like seventy four. He died like two two days ago, and uh, you know he popularized the at symbol, the whole thing, like mm-hmm. invented email. I remember in like way before anyone had or cared about email, when there was like you know like a hundred people with email addresses. I was a junior in high school. This is in like 87, 88, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy was like, I oh, have this thing called email watch, and he like typed <laughs> an email. And I was like, "This is worthless." I was like, Who, "Who's <laughs> ever going to use this crap? This is garbage, nonsense."
3: Man, did he send it to you from his Apple Newton? Uh, that, was, that was early '90s, right? We had, not, we, had 2E. we had
2: 2e. Okay. We had It was an Apple 2e, which, of course, you know, I coveted because of the green screen right, was so much right. better than my Radio Shack <laughs> TRS-80 computer. And uh, uh, but I just remember thinking, this is not, this is not going to go anywhere.
3: No, no, this is worthless. It's like watching TV on the internet.
2: Yeah, I forget that dude's name, but I hope he's a billionaire.
3: So you know do what I'm I, saying?
2: I yeah. Anyway, he deserves it. You know, being an early adopter of something like email. You should win something for that.
3: Yeah. you you probably get a cooler email address. Yeah. He's John 01 instead of John 387.
2: Yeah. Well, this is, you know, obviously this is way pre... There was no WWW at that time. Literally, you had to, like, know exactly where someone was and send them (laughs) an email. You know what I mean? Ah, dumb. Okay. Um... So you have anything you want to plug about the book? Anything specific you want to talk about?
3: Anything's, no. I mean, I don't know. Buy it if you want to. Don't if you don't. <laughs>
2: well, anyway. Call your questions to Kenji at 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. A two eight. All right, so let's uh, let's hit some stuff that we uh, have here. I'll Can I
0: actually like jump the line because I have something that I'm I'm interested in hearing both of you talk about? All right, is that cool? Sure. So there's all these articles about um, bay leaves mm-hmm. lately that I've been reading and um, kind of like challenging the notion that they actually do anything. Right. In a big, you know, what do you
2: mean? Uh, they taste like bay. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. have,
0: have you seen this, Kenji? You've, have you seen uh, these arguments? I,
3: I, I have had people ask me. I, I actually wrote a. I wrote an article like a couple years ago called "What's." It was. It was a question I got from a, from a reader, and the question was, "What's the point of bay leaves?" Because they um, taste like bay. They do. Yeah, you can taste it, and 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 of course, like depending on where you get your bay leaves, whether it's like a, a Turkish bay leaf, which is what generally what you generally find dried, versus like a California bay leaf, which you find fresh. Like they have different flavors, but they yeah, they they definitely add flavor to dishes. Mm-hmm. You can you can tell the difference side by side if you taste.
2: They are merely the most popular of the aromatic leaves, which almost all of the all of this style of aromatic tree leaf come from the um the laurel family, mm-hmm. right? So you have aromatic avocado leaves, where some aren't, which I believe are the same family as Bay. Are they? I think. I don't know that they're all in the same family, but I know Laureaceae has, I'm pretty sure, I've I got to go look it up because mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to talk about it, but like, <laughs> there's a lot of aromatic leaves in that in that kind of family. I don't know whether like sassafras and spicebush are in the same general family, but like a lot of those, uh, you know, that family has these kind of aromatic leaves, and uh, of course they make a difference. Now, the crappier the leaf is, let me give you an example. I have some crappy, you know, Spice, spice Class. That's a brand of spice right, right here. Spice Class. Uh, so I have, like, crappy Spice ba- uh, Class bay leaves. And so I have to use, like, four or five times as many of those.
3: To get the same flavor. To get the same yeah. flavor.
2: And they're a pain, so I tend to tie them up by the, by the you know, by the, the stuff. Yeah, and then throw them in, uh, in, like, larger quantities. But uh, perhaps you've heard of the Spice Jack. Old Bay, which is yes. like, for down, like has like a huge hit of ground up
0: bay in it. Bay is a sp- to be clear. I can taste when bay leaves are used. I'm saying that there were a lot
3: of articles posted. A lot of my By friends whom? were sharing. It was on the Owl.
2: But
0: who wrote oh, yeah. it?
3: What's the Owl? Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> was it, was it some like angry internet person just trying to make angry internet? Things? It was like part
0: humor, but also it. who's part the serious. <laughs> It's a blog.
3: You know, you know the the one one thing about bay leaves though, um, and, is that, uh, and this is different from most other herbs, is that, um, you know, the, well, the, similarly to most other herbs, there is a big difference between dried and fresh. But, uh, but the difference in bay leaves is that the dried versions are almost always the Turkish bay leaves, and the fresh versions are almost always California bay leaves, and they have a very different flavor. Like the, the California bay leaves have a much stronger sort of eucalyptus. <laughs>
2: not the same plant, right?
3: Yeah, it's not even the same plant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're both similar. sold as bay leaves. So a lot of people will say, oh, the fresh bay leaves are always better than the dry. But but that's not always the case because it adds a flavor that's quite different from a standard bay flavor. So I, I almost always use dry dry bay leaves that I store in the freezer.
2: Well, fre- you know, f- this is a huge misconception people have about everything in the world, that fresh is better than, uh, than, than dry. Not. Yeah, it's yeah. like it, they're almost always different. And
3: so anything that is – sometimes
2: something is different and worse yeah. –
3: Sometimes it's just different. Sometimes it's just different. Yeah, like ginger, like fresh ginger versus dried ginger. They're different. Totally different.
2: Dried basil, bad.
3: Dried basil, bad. Dried parsley. Dried chives, not good.
2: I haven't tried really dried ch- Freeze-dried ch- chives, I've had. You, mm. do, what do you, you know what, like... Uh, I'm talking if you go
3: and buy a bottle of uh, Spice, glass oh, a spice dried Class. Oh, Spice
2: Class. You know, I got in big trouble with, uh, with my wife because... Did I talk about this? Maybe. Because, uh, you know, I, I've been saying we've been doing the, uh, the 70 style potato bars recently, you know, where you just make a big-ass, big, big potato. Oh, right, 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 yeah. It's like Taco it's, Night. Yeah, it's like Taco Night, but it's like Big Potato Night. Because I'm like, you know, whatever, we're bringing it back. And um, so my wife was cutting up the chives, and she did, like, the ultimate chive, like, horror show of chopping them long, I, I, I kind of like that
3: sometimes, like in a soup or something like that. they have no flavor when you chop them long. The well, chive flavor, yeah, because but then they them. stick
2: in your teeth. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a... But you know what you shouldn't do? You shouldn't, like... You shouldn't look at the chives that your wife has chopped and be like, what the hell are you talking about these chives? Why? Look on a baked potato. It's better
3: than crushing them at least. Yeah, I guess it's, yeah. That, that was the, the the first like fancy restaurant job I had. Um, on my first day in, on my first day of service, I, I was chopping chives for the line, and I had no idea what I was doing then. And and the chef, it's um, so Barbara Lynch, is a number nine park. The, the chef, like she walked by my station while I was chopping the, the chives, and without even looking at me, like just hearing the sound the chives were making as I was chopping them, she's like, "You're doing those wrong. Throw them out," because she could hear the kind of crush. Pff- pff- yeah, the crushing pff- noise, the crushing pff- 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 noise, yeah. Because yeah. I was crushing them instead of slicing them.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, I like I like thin, small discs. Like th- like two little, tiny...
3: You want them to be sliced thinner than they are wide. That's the best. Right. Yeah.
2: The like, Although, they're a pain to dose out like that, because they tend to stick and clump if you do it ahead, but that's life, big city,
3: yeah. especially if you crush it. If you slice if you it... Crush, yeah, if, if your knife is sharp and you slice well, then they, they stay nice and separate, I think.
2: Now, let me ask you this. So, chives, would you ever use... Ah, it's not true. So obviously, like, the application for blended chives is ranch dressing, right? So ranch dressing, dill, chives, sure, yeah. other stuff. But in general, is chive ever – they're expensive. So is it worthwhile to ever – would you ever blend it or would you use a different allium for that?
3: I, I wouldn't. I mean, you know, I've seen, like, chive oil, right? Eh, and you blend chives there. but I um, never make it, though. Do you ever no, make that stuff? No. I mean, I did. like for color. Like, I did in, like, yeah, like the early 2000s in restaurants. Chive oil, color on the soup. But, yeah, but yeah. could
2: you cheat on the chive oil and really use a different allium and scallion tops? Probably. But, sc- I mean, scallions taste a little different, don't they? In the
3: oil? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they don't. I think it's just one of those things that people used to do. Maybe maybe chives are a myth. Maybe maybe there's no point in chives. No chives, they're good. Yeah. I like chives. Stas, you
2: a chive fan? Yeah, yeah. Stas likes the chive. Yeah. But anyway, this thing about bay. Who's the owl? Who's this blogger? Who's we, the owl? Do we know
0: them? <laughs> oh, no, we God. don't. We don't know them. Um, let's see. Can we call them name? This is out? like saying Kelly Kelly Connaboy.
2: This is like saying, oh, we have, you know, wine flavor. You're like, yeah, yeah. Wine <laughs> has a flavor. What are you talking about? Bay leaf. Like, did this person have, like, a negative experience with bay leaves? Do they think it's a scam? Are these, like, the kind of people that don't like modern art because they think the wool is being pulled over their eyes?
3: It, it, could, it could be someone who has your spice-class bay leaves who use one one bay leaf in a soup and don't notice it because it's a shitty bay leaf. That's true. Right. I think that's a the bad issue. Bay leaf. Bad bay leaf. I do think that's the issue.
2: Yeah, then fine. Use The answer is use more. The good thing about bay is that... Um, yeah, most recipes tell you to use a bay leaf or two, and that won't really do much with most of the bay leaves, low-quality bay leaves that, that people have. So I invariably triple the amount yeah. that the recipe calls nice. for. And bay leaf is not the kind of thing that rides, unless you go way over, it doesn't really ride over the top. Right. Um, but, like, you can't, like, I, can, I never make a stock without bay.
3: I very rarely make, like, a soup or a stew or anything like that without bay in it. Yeah. yeah. Rarely, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. And, like, the whole point of it is it's an integrative spice. So it's not supposed to—it's not like Nastasia's least favorite, cumin, which is, like, supposed to hit you on the
3: head. You know what I mean? Right. It boosts, boosts other flavors yeah. pretty well.
0: Stas, why don't you like
2: human? I don't know. We've gone through it before. Human, I don't want to. I know. Bring
0: I know. Up, yeah. There was a comment in the chat room. Uh, they said, "How about getting Kenji to talk about his vegan month just for Nastasia's benefit?"
2: <laughs> All right, but before we do that, Jack, uh, we had I had a comment in on the on the Twitter from a uh, geek girl with a number, which I forget the number. Okay. Anyway, she wants to know how to get on the chat rooms because apparently we're not making it like clear how to get onto the chat rooms.
0: Oh, it's clear how to get in the chat. Room.
2: Well, tell her how to get on the freaking chat rooms.
0: How do I you think do it? this person emailed this and then said they could figure it out. So you go to the website, you right. click play, okay. and then it's going to pop up with a player. And then you have uh, to
2: play the chats. They're like a. recording? No, you have
0: to pull up the live stream first, oh. and then uh, you know you just click on the Heritage Radio logo right there, and it pulls up the chat room. There you go. You could also go to mixler.com slash heritage dash radio dash network if uh, you want to go manual with it. There, Mixler, Mixler. That's the yeah. It so-
2: sounds like the sounds like a like a Flintstones character. <laughs> kind of does. I have a caller if you want to take the call. All right, caller, you're on the air. Hi, Dave and Kenji. It's uh, Alex from Santa Barbara.
3: How's it going? Yeah. And I was wondering, um, several debates for me about the liquid smoke brine versus actually smoking, because it's been coming up a lot that you can get pretty close to there with liquid smoke and a little bit of nitrate in your brine mm-hmm. for, let's say, 48 hours, and then you low temp out for 36 on, let's say, you know a brisket. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the same. And... I don't believe it, but I've never done a side by side, and I want you guys to explain the math to me.
2: But who said it was the
3: same? Uh, like chef steps, and or close enough to be the same. Yeah, and I've, my I've said similar it. things. Not um, I, 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 I. said similar things in a sous vide um, pork uh, rib recipe I wrote uh, a couple months ago. Um, it's. I mean, it's not exactly the same, and it's. It's not exactly the same in the same way that like anything you cook sous vide is not going to be exactly the same as something you cook via another method, right? Like sous vide brisket. Is sous vide brisket? It doesn't. It's not exactly the same as barbecue brisket. Not at all but, the same. Yeah, but that doesn't mean. I don't think that means better or worse. But as far as the smoke flavor goes, um, I mean, you can, you can get smoke flavor from a liquid smoke brine. Um, that that will. I mean, that will make people think that it was smoked. Well, um, I mean, you don't it get, is. Like, you don't get like bark development, things, right? Like things like that, but but it is it is it is literally the same stuff that that is getting deposited on your meat while you're smoking it, um, right. minus some stuff. Minus some stuff. And usually
2: that you'll was get my question right there. Yeah. Where it's like, what what's the minus
3: stuff that we're missing? Because I could taste the difference. I mean, I know you're going to get a different products depending on how you. Cook okay. it, but just the flavor of the smoke.
2: They get they get rid of a uh, a lot of the theoretically cancer causing like polycyclic hydrocarbon stuff, uh, right? Isn't that like I ridiculous? think so, yeah. And then they they also. You know, the, the issue is usually you're in an oil phase or a water phase because most they're not. So, like presumably, some is gonna like some smoke compounds like would would gravitate towards the oil phase versus the water. So you're probably only getting the water phase stuff. Right, and stuff that but you get. but
3: when you're but when you're when you're smoking in a smoker, you're all, mostly getting only water phase stuff anyway because the the smoke is being transported by the moist air, right?
2: Well, there's but there's not. this actual particulate matter as well. Right,
3: right, right. There's some. Yeah. You
2: know, and so, like, like you know, I, I noticed, like, uh, you know, when the chefs used to use a smoking gun. Do they use that anymore?
3: I think some people do. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. You would notice that, like, the particulate matter would settle out after a couple of minutes, but mm. the smoke aroma would stay in the in the thing because there is, like, a heavy kind of a particulate thing. But, I mean, the the, the truth of the matter is is that smoking does a number of things besides imparting flavor, right? right. So mm-hmm. you're being exposed to a particular... Uh, a particular atmosphere, you're being exposed to a particular temperature, at a particular humidity, and so you know, like Kenji was saying, like you get the the bark. So different things happen from a textural standpoint that are a lot of times difficult to um, separate from
3: uh, from just the flavor, from just the flavor. From the flavor element, yeah.
2: And especially especially with things like crust development, it's virtually impossible to separate the like uh, the textural difference uh, and the the cooking difference from the flavor. It's just not not
3: possible. Right, right.
2: And the other thing to be aware of is that liquid smoke is produced at a very specific temperature for a very specific thing. So you smoking something for real might be different if your temperatures are high or lower, or you're using different, you're going to generate different kinds of compounds, because pyrolysis, very, very complicated stuff, is happening. Um, the other thing is that I find that like uh, Smoke applications More maybe with powder Than with the liquids It's super easy To overdose on it And it goes like bitter
3: Yeah 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 and, and, and people I think people do often Overdose on smoke But I think people Often also overdose on smoke When they're When they're actually Smoking things too Right uh, Um because I always think, I mean, the smoke should be, should be seasoning like like, like cumin or, or bay leaf or whatever, you know, it, it should be seasoning it shouldn't be the only thing you taste in there um, but, but I, will, I will tell you that you know, in, in, in the testing I've done for, for you know, getting smoke flavor into meat th- through methods that aren't smoking that brining in a, li- in a, in a brine with liquid smoke, I think is, is the most effective way to keep it subtle um, and to get good penetration without you know, it, it's, it's very different to do that than to say like add liquid smoke straight to like a barbecue sauce which you just paint on the surface um, right brine, like brining it overnight in a, in a in a in a brine with liquid smoke gets you a much more sort of natural tasting smoke right. penetration
2: i'm gonna get my behind kicked i don't really like barbecue sauce
3: well I, what I kind like kansas city like, like sweet, i don't know i just don't i don't again. like
2: goopy yeah i don't like goopy
3: yeah I'm, I'm more of like a like a um you know vine- like a vinegar sauce yeah
2: yeah here, so. i don't even consider like i know that they do but I, I consider that like red pepper and vinegar like, I don't consider yeah, that, red like... bit
3: pepper, vinegar, a little, a little sugar, maybe, but I yeah. I
2: don't consider that, Tiny like... Bit. When someone says barbecue sauce,
3: you're thinking... Kansas City-style ketchup and molasses. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah like, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of that.
2: I like it on French fries. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's okay as, like, you know, kind of a a, a secondary ketchup. Yeah. But I just not... I'm with you
0: on that too. Yeah, ah.
2: yeah. people love it. I'm going to get my like. I'm I'm happy that you like it, whoever you are that likes it. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not against it in theory. It's just not my it's not my cup of tea on on yeah. on meat.
0: I have another caller. Sure,
2: caller, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, Dave,
1: uh, Dan, in Seattle. A uh, couple of pressure canner questions.
2: Okay. Uh,
1: so, so first of all, I got a very b- a big new all aluminum. Uh, uh, pressure canner for Christmas
2: made by American Canner Corp yep yep
1: um so my my first question is, can I make the stock in it before I put it in jars? I mean is does the bare aluminum really matter
2: much for, for stock? Well, it depends on what you believe like <laughs> if, you, if if you believe that aluminum is bad to cook in, then it matters if you don't as i don't then uh you know it won't bother you. I
3: mean, flavor-wise, I don't think you're going to taste aluminum in your in Not there. in the stock. Yeah, not in the stock. Okay.
2: Um, I mean, I'm not talking about anything a ton of lemon
3: juice or vinegar or whatever. Yeah. I mean,
2: the, the hard part about uh, even, like, small amounts of, like, uh, you know, in some classic stocks will be, like, a couple tomatoes. But does it, it's not going to do anything. You know what I mean? But the, the – um, I wouldn't use – I guess you can't fit it in the dishwasher anyway, because it's so big. I was going to say, like, th- like where you don't want to do on that is, like, uh, harsh detergents on it, because I believe it's cast, and so it'll get porous and pitted after a while at the bottom. And, but I cook it. Yeah, no, no,
1: no, they specifically hey, most they restaurants not do that. No, limb, like you said, it, it wouldn't fit anyway. I mean, it's, it's a monstrously huge thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, the, the, the hard part about the pressure canners... Uh, if you're using them to do anything other than straight canning, is that they are a huge ship to steer. So, uh, you know, on a level of difficulty of getting the right heat input, I'd say it's, like, twice as difficult as, like, with a regular pressure cooker to get the the heat input correct.
3: Just because of its volume, you mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, just because... It's so hard to read the the slope right, you know, whereas, like, a a normal pressure cooker responds within a minute or two. Like, this guy could have, like, you know, four or five minutes of ride up and down. Right. So it takes a while to kind of dial it in. So, like, what I would do is the first couple times you use it, I would uh, kind of keep track of where your settings are based on how much you have in it because that's pretty much, you know, assuming that you use relatively constant loads. Yeah. Also, that thing's a pain. You ever use one of those things, Kenji? Mm-mm. They're a pain to close all of those screws. I mean, look.
3: Oh, yeah, I've seen those. Nothing
2: yeah. else can do what they can do. They're huge volume. Right. You know, pressure cooker canners. But do you have the regular canner lid, or do you have the sterilization lid for it?
1: <laughs> uh, uh, the what, what?
2: Do you have the regular canning lid for it, or the sterilization lid with the tube?
1: Uh, the regular. Yeah,
2: yeah. The sterilization lid is a, is a, it's creepy. It's How does that work? So they're re- if you're going to use it as a sterilizer, which I guess some people do in places uh, I don't know where who don't have right. any sterilizers, they uh, they're worried that there'll be pockets um, of gas in it that that will cause it to not go through the sterilization procedure at the same way. So they have a they have a tube that extends down that you have to like vent out the tube to get rid of uh, entrained non steam gases huh. before you crank the stuff, but. Remember what a nightmare that was. To us? Yep. And we crushed the tube, and we were yelling at each other and screaming. And
3: <laughs> nightmare, nightmare. I, I use like pretty much exclusively electric pressure cookers now. Really? Yeah. You which know, one. I, uh, I, right now, I have, I'm using the Breville Pro, which um, which has like full manual. You can, I mean, it only goes up to 12 psi, which most electric cookers do, but you can get anywhere from anywhere from 1.5 to 12 at half psi in, increments. Um, can and, you and hack it, it like the Cuisinart? I don't know. I haven't tried. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, but it also has like uh, like automatic altitude adjustment and like an automatic pressure release and stuff, which is pretty nice.
2: Automatic altitude adjustment. So it'll go. So yeah. That that's that's not worth it. I was going to say you could put it into another container jacket like to three psi and then hit go. But that's not right. not <laughs> worth it. It's not worth it. Um, but. So it's it's actually working on pressure, not on temperature.
3: Uh, it has it so it has it has a pressure gauge, and it also has two temperature gauges, Like it has a temperature probe at the bottom and at the end at the top.
2: But the pressure gauge is a release, or the pressure gauge is a measurement?
3: Um, I'm I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure. Mm. I don't know. I should I, should, I should ask them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah,
3: I'm not so, sure how the altitude uh, bit second works.
1: Second, much more specific question. Okay. I want to make Cuchinita Pabil in a canning jar. Can I just put the banana leaf and the pork, I mean, whatever, like, the toughest piece of pork I can get, and the acciote in there, and is there some overwhelmingly obvious reason that wouldn't work?
2: Huh, I don't know.
3: What, what do you think, Kenji? I think it would work. I mean... What happens to I, I've banana never
2: leaves t- in a pressure cooker?
3: They probably break down. I don't know. I've never tried that specifically, but I've but I've stuck, um, I mean, I've stuck meats and, and like, Onions and things, like you can make, like, you know, you caramelize onions inside right. sealed jars in a pressure canner. Right, <clears throat> but they obviously,
2: but onions obviously lose a lot of their onion potency. They get a lot more neutral and a lot sweeter in a pressure canner right. than they would in any sort of other normal cook. Sure, yeah. Um, but, or like, you know, if you were gonna do like acid canning where it's just a boil out versus pressure. But I don't. in other words, I don't know whether banana leaves are going to have a different flavor extraction or anything around the – because, you know, there's that layer around the banana leaf that mm-hmm. has that particular flavor. Banana
3: leafy flavor. Yeah, yeah, which I
2: like. But I don't know what happens at pressure cooker.
3: I don't know. I know, I know how you can find out.
2: <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah. And, but uh, there's, there's nothing on the surface of it that seems to think that it won't work.
3: All right. Well, I,
1: I will just give that a shot next time I get around to it. I wound up with way too many banana leaves the last time I made I, I made this
2: regularly. <clears throat> All right. I'm, yeah. I, I need to get them out of my freezer. All right. Well, let us know what happens.
0: Cool. Thanks, sir. Thanks. I got a question from the chat room. If you want to take it, yeah, this sure. is okay. Go. Yep. Yeah. To Kenji or Dave, can you ramenize fresh pasta? Also, instead of doing the baking soda technique, can I just use kensui? I don't know if that's yes. how you pronounce yeah. it. Yes. Yes, and yes. Okay. There you go.
2: But uh, I don't know that you'd want. I mean, it depends on what you like. Why you're doing it?
0: He said he used right. the modernist cuisine recipe for ramen and broke a pasta machine
2: because <laughs> uh, it was too dry. Or. No, I don't know. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. So specifically, the question is: Is it going to go through his pasta machine?
0: I guess so. Can you ramenize fresh pasta? Oh.
2: Yes, you, yes. I mean, obviously, this is yeah. how they make ramen. Yeah, so is, yes is he asking?
3: Dry. Is he asking? Can you take like? Can you make fresh Italian style pasta and cook it in 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 baking soda water? And will it taste like pasta? No, ramen, I think he's saying: can,
2: can you do yellow yellow alkaline noodles
3: through and, a regular pasta machine?
2: I mean, I would assume you can. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. But the I but the, the question is is like if you're gonna make an Italian shape I mean like look fundamentally yellow alkaline noodles are is like a fairly normal pasta dough with consu in it Yeah. right yeah so
3: typically, like typically a little bit drier than a, like an Italian style dough but
2: yeah but so it I may mean be
3: harder to push through a pasta machine but I don't
2: right but you could up the water you could still get the yellow some of the bounce mm-hmm. and the the consu flavor. But it'll taste like that. So you're basically just making ramen in a different shape.
3: Yeah. There, uh, there's, um, you know, like Yuji, Yuji Ramen, he does, he does like a bunch of different pasta shapes with ramen dough. So he makes like ramen, ramen flavored orchid and stuff like that. Right.
2: The key thing, the real baller move is to do, forget, forget making uh, freaking noodles. Make uh, lasagna so that it retains its texture when it's being cooked. I mean that's the baller thing to do.
3: And then slice it afterwards, or just
2: yeah. But like in other words, instead of using like Italian style pasta for uh, although you know who makes you don't really want to use fresh for lasagna anyway unless it's a very specific thing.
3: Not. not, But you would want like a
2: dried ramenized, but not like fried and pre cooked ramenized unless you're going to do the thing. But like, what's an application for pasta where you really want that? The texture, the bounce, right? Where ramen. pasta tends to disintegrate, ramen. But that—that's the reason to ramenize something.
3: Yeah, for ramen. Chicken, chicken noodle soup that you're going to put in a can. Yeah, he specifies.
0: He says when I'm asking, what I'm asking is to make fresh Italian noodles, then ramenize.
3: So cook oh. so cook, cook. So you 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 mean using that hack where you cook it in water, like with baking soda or consuie, and it gets a little bit of that ramen, like that ramen flavor. You can get the That's that f-
2: flavor. About. I don't think you're going to get the texture.
3: Well, with dry pasta, you do get you do get. The texture is different. Really? Significantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've never tried it with fresh pasta, but I don't see why it wouldn't work with fresh pasta.
2: Well, let me put it to you this way. I would bet it would be more likely to work if you did the pre-soak and then bring up from cold than if you did it. Because once the protein's cooked,
3: it's cooked. Yeah, I mean, maybe Yeah, maybe with fresh pasta the problem would be that it doesn't spend enough time in there because it cooks so quickly. And and it's not absorbing much of the liquid, right? So
2: how much, like, how close to ramen do you get if you're boiling it in water with? Uh...
3: If, if you do like a thin pasta, like a, like spaghetti or capellini or something, and and cook it in water with baking soda, like it, it gets it gets pretty close. Um, yeah, yeah. In flavor
2: yeah. or in texture?
3: Both. Both. Really? Yeah, yeah. You know it's know actually my it's a good trick for if if you're making like if you want to make like a pasta salad that where the pasta doesn't get mushy, you know, because pasta. When, when, when you make I mean I don't know why people make pasta salad anyway but if Ooh, you make pasta salad like I'm pasta salad, salad, huh? I don't pasta a salad hater mm, but, uh, yeah. but it gets it gets mushy as it sits in the dressing um, if you cook it in like um, alkalized water is that the right word Al- whatever, alkalized but alkalized water yeah um, it's the, the pasta stays a lot bouncier even after you after you cool it and dress it
2: let me tell you something about angel hair and all those small pastas they're supposed to be creamy they're supposed to be creamy.
3: Yeah, but if you want them, if you want them to be ramen, and you can't get ramen where you are,
2: so when, when do I like those things dry? I guess there are anchovy sauces for Christmas Eve where I like those pastas dryish. Mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. like? How do you like your very fine pasta sauce? I don't like fine pasta. Yeah, for, for real. real. Me neither. Why? Because it's bad. <laughs> this is what I hate about people. It's not bad. It's just different. It's not your al dente stuff. It's just right. a different product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God damn. I mean, gosh darn.
3: Yeah. I, I also know a good way to find out if you can do this, by the way.
2: Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> the, the the good old test it and see what happens. Uh, caller on the line. Oh, caller, you're on the air.
3: Hey, this is a Scooter in Montana. Kenji, you may have just answered a question I asked a couple weeks ago about okay. uh, canning noodles. Um, so uh, I called and asked about getting noodles that are like the, you know, the, the canned chicken noodles. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you think if you add some alkaline, to your homemade noodles and put them in a the can that they'll hold together. Uh, yeah, I, I think well hold together better. Um, but I, I would I would cook the noodles separately in in uh, alkalized water and then add them to the soup before you can it. But I, I wouldn't like okay. I wouldn't add I wouldn't add baking soda to your chicken noodle soup. Um, but I would okay. cook the noodles right. separately. Yeah. Or, awesome. if you're, or, or if you're awesome. making or if you we'll making so if much. you're making homemade noodles, yeah, you can you could add khan sui or baking soda or something to them.
2: Right. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you. All right. Yeah, cool. So now, uh, Jack, what was the other question you had off of the... Uh, so I've got
0: two chat room requests. Right. I'm going to let you choose your own adventure here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they either want a conversation on vegan month, okay. c- comparing vegan month notes, or revisiting the conversation about weighing cocktail ingredients.
3: Oh, okay. Well, could do either
2: of those. Well, here hit it on the vegan month. Let's talk talk about vegan month.
3: Okay, wait. Comparing notes, as in what? Are uh, you? I've only ever done. I done,
2: I did raw vegan for a week. I, oh, raw I, vegan.
3: Okay. I know, but you did. You did. What do you do? Vegan I do for, it every year. Every every year for a month. Are uh, you in the
2: middle of that month? right I'm now? I'm in the
3: middle of it right now. Yeah.
2: So okay, what's up with that?
3: Um. Well. Okay. So I, I started it. You know. Mainly. Well, I've always been interested in vegan. Like as far as diets go, it's one of the ones that makes sense to me. Just sort of from a. Ethical and environmental standpoint, um, it, it's made sense to me. Um, I, and so I, you know, ma- but the first time I did it, I was I was sort of skeptical, and I did it mainly because I wanted to challenge myself and see what would happen. And and then it turned out that I actually had a really great month because it made me, you know, made me think about recipes in a different way, think about new ingredients and new techniques. Um, you know, I, I think from a from a recipe development standpoint, it's been great because I, it just it means like for a month out of the year, I, I think about a completely different set of things than I normally do. Um, but, um, you know, but these days, you know, when I'm, when I'm not, uh, when I'm not testing recipes or eating for work, um, I, would maintain mostly vegetarian, some fish, but, um, like I, I don't, I, I don't really go out for meat anymore. Um, so, you know, in that sense, it's, it's sort of changed uh, the way I eat. So Um, what's
2: your favorite thing you discovered this vegan month?
3: Uh, I've been working a lot on hummus, um, and I, you know I was actually going to be publishing a recipe a recipe next week. Um, but then last night I went to uh, John Fraser's new place, Nick's Have you been there? No. It's, it's awesome, awesome. It opened on Monday. It's um, a vegetarian restaurant. But John, you know John Fraser. Uh, he has um, uh, Dovetail and Narcissa. Yeah. Neither one of them vegetarian restaurants. He's like you know great chef, Michelin star guy, good man too, good man too, yeah. Um, but and he opened a vegetarian restaurant that is amazing, and they have this awesome hummus. And I was talking to him about it, and he uses a completely different technique than I use. So now maybe I'm going to hold off on the recipe and do some more well, testing. What do you uh, do? So okay, so so you know the testing I was doing was mainly about about getting the the texture right, and um, so you know so doing things like trying to peel whether peeling chickpeas really matters. Um, my, you know, the, my technique now is basically just like cook the crap out of the chickpeas um, and then and then puree it all. Um, um, but what he does is he cooks the crap out of the chickpeas, um, but then completely reduces the liquid um, and purees all the mirepoix. And every, like basically everything that was in the pot, all the liquid, all the mirepoix, everything that was in there with the chickpeas, purees it all together. Um, and it, and it, and, and, purees it, importantly, purees it while it's hot in a blender, um, as opposed to letting it cool and then doing it in a food processor, because when it's, when it's hot, it, it's like the texture of like a milkshake, you know, it's like right. easily done in a blender, and then by the time it cools down to serving temperature, it's the texture of hummus, so you can get it a lot smoother in a blender than you can in a food processor. Because of setback? Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. The uh, do, are, Wait, so are you an advocate? Is he an advocate of the p- peel after soak, rub the things off after no. soak?
3: No. So, I mean, okay, so where, where I'm coming down, in, and and again, this might change if I do some more testing, but where I w- was coming down in and up until I had his last night was that, um, uh, you know, it, when, I, when I served it side by side to people, um, people mostly picked the one where they where they were peeled. Um, but the other one was also way better than you know the one where you just cook them to crap was way better than uh, than anything else uh, as well. So it's it's like you can get you can get like ninety percent good hummus without peeling the chickpeas if you want that extra ten percent.
2: You know what though peeling yeah. chickpeas is not that it's of not a that pain. hard.
3: It's what? not that hard. Yeah, no. you do like the the gold panning method, right? Uh,
2: yeah. Also, I, I just like put my hands and I'm like, like yeah, exactly. soaks and then yeah, and then I uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, you put them in water, rub them around with your hands, and then and then kind of skim off the skins that float yeah, to the top. I find you
2: know? it strangely cathartic.
3: Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, some people don't like doing stuff stuff like yeah. that. The one thing you don't want to use is canned chickpeas. I mean...
2: Uh, like, that, in a pinch, they taste
3: okay. In a, in a pinch, they taste okay. So, yeah. I mean, and, and again, you know, this is, like, in side-by-side taste tests. They don't taste okay, but nobody eats things side-by-side in real life.
2: Do you ever do it with, like, the, the smaller, like, Bengal gram stuff? Or are
3: you know, only using Italian style? Or? Uh, I've been using, yeah, just Italian style.
2: Hummus, so hot right now. Hummus. So hot. So hot right now, yeah. hummus. The, uh... Okay, so, uh... I did. I, you know, I don't know if you know this. I had to. This is years ago. I had to do raw vegan for a week, and it was a horror right. show. This is a complete horror show. Well,
3: the raw part is the. I was just an angry. Part, and the part that doesn't make. Much I was sense. an
2: angry monster, and when I went back on cooked food, my toilet thanked me. <laughs> um, the, I mean, it's just. And by the way, uh, we haven't talked about this, but uh, you know, Richard Wrangham, the guy who wrote, uh, um, uh, oh my God, the, the, "How Cooking Made Us Human."
3: Uh nope. But
2: Oh he's awesome. He's I'll a professor at Harvard. Um and um Oh I know that book, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why the actual title's out of my head? I just have the tagline "On mm-hmm. Fire," I think, or something. Like this. Uh, right. So he's done a lot of amazing uh, work uh, uh, on like uh, primates and like how how long we would have to sit and eat to get nutrition from uh, raw right. food diets right. and things like this. So he's going to come on the show. Uh, we're trying to schedule it. We're not sure when, but he's going to come on the show. We're going to talk to him about his uh, his book and how it relates to yeah. kind of cooking. But yeah, raw well, food. these days
3: a lot of people do have time to sit around and. Eat a lot right
2: yeah he reviewed some of the data that was done on people on raw food diets uh and kind of how much they had to eat and it's a great way to lose weight just because your body can't absorb a lot of the stuff that you're, right. you're eating so it's just a fantastic way to uh you know to lose weight
0: two minutes dave
2: two minutes all right so you want to talk about uh, i have to i have to read an anti-me rant and then
3: uh <laughs> wait, <laughs> we can look, talk about cock- cocktails
2: yeah you know, okay let's do uh, let's do cocktails and then uh, i'll rip through the anti-me rant
3: Okay, Wayne Cocktail. So, yeah, so I I think I tweeted once a while back uh, that... Uh, why, why don't more people weigh their co- weigh their cocktail ingredients instead of measuring them in jiggers? And uh, and then some people said yes, and then some people rightfully said no. That's stupid. But I, I think I think really it comes down to context. Like if you know, like I know I know what drinks I, I drink at home, and it's not a huge like I maybe make four or five different drinks at home, or like most of the time it's just a Negroni, right? And if I'm making like three or four of them, um, I find it's easier just to throw the thing on the scale, pour the stuff in. And I'm done, and I know the ratio. Like I, I don't have to carry. I don't have to care about the density of the things because I know how much I want of each one, and it's done. And I don't have to mess up a jigger. I just pour it into the glass. And no, that's but it. you
2: always have to pour into another glass because what if you over? I pour it to,
3: Well, you just don't over
2: Well, like you never pour. <laughs> you never pour. The liquid directly into the batch. It's not like cooking. It's I,
3: like I pour it directly into into my mixing glass. You're freaking yeah. savage. You're freaking savage. <laughs> like you have no, you have no you have no room for mistakes then. Uh, it, well, and it's also if I slightly overpour, I just don't care, right? Savage. Like, like, <laughs> then why
2: weigh it all? Just do it by <laughs> eye.
3: That's that's yeah, that's a good question, I guess.
2: Anyway, let's read the anti the illusion of precision. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of times that's the case. Anyway, a lot of the stuff is just making yourself feel good with precision.
3: With cooking, no, like this. I, I wrote a rant a bit about like recipes that have gram measurements and very very precise amounts and it's it's like use 33 grams of onions and stuff and stuff and that's like i think total illusion of precision because it's not like the onion i'm using today is the same as the onion i'm using next week or the one that you're getting in california or whatever right it's like you can use the same exact amount of ingredients and and come up with completely different flavors just because ingredients vary a lot but but for some reason there are there are some people who like really want this kind of precision in a recipe even if it's a sort of false precision
2: how often do you use a thermometer um, when you're not testing for writing.
3: So these days, not much because I don't cook meat very much at home. But when I cooked meat, I'll, I mean, I always use it for meat. Even um,
2: when you roast a chicken, you use a yeah, the thermometer use, on a chicken.
3: Oh, it's, I especially use it for roast chicken. I really? Mean. Yeah, yeah. Because well, because yeah, roast chicken is one of those things where I think if it if it gets slightly overcooked, it's not good anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, ch- I, uh, chicken and turkey. Oh, are probably because the you're not a I briner. I'm a dry briner. Yeah,
2: yeah. 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 We need another whole other show to get into these kind of uh, arguments. Jack, can I read this anti-me rant real quick? Real quick. Jack, uh, thanks to the wonderful network. I am a big fan and admirer of Dave. That said, this is about the GAPS diet. Do you know about the GAPS diet, Kenji? No. Yeah. Uh, uh, That said, I have to admit that I'm rather disturbed that Dave got off topic to evaluate the GAPS diet for his listeners. I didn't evaluate it, by the way. I just said that... I don't have any data on it. I don't know about it, but that things that I saw initially on it set off red flags, but not that I had the data. That was maybe long and didn't actually make the point, but that was what I was trying to say, is that flags were being raised about the presentation of the of the diet, but that I have no actual data on the diet. That was my take-home, by the way, just so you know, Kenji. All right. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to familiarize it. Um, I mean – I say, Justino instead of instead of uh, Jesus Christ should make it a little more family friendly. Okay. Uh, I mean, Justino, where is uh, where in the list of many things he's an expert on is human physiology and healing diets? The question should have been discarded as off-topic and never brought to the fore, uh, but it has been, and Dave didn't even know where to begin talking about it. Which is kind of what I said. I don't know about this specific diet. I do know about some fad diets, like Master Cleanse, a load of horse crap. <laughs> Unless, unless you love it, people, in which case, <laughs> anyway. Uh, bottom line is that uh, this is a healing diet with a long history of success and a lot of endorsements from qualified medical professionals. I saw, you know, whatever. Amazingly, it, it addressed problems with human microbiome before anyone was thinking of the human microbiome. If Dave will check all those ailments that GAP says it cures, uh, all are identified by reports as ailments that are triggered by gut dysbiosis, autism, a bunch of these, More like associated with... You know, most of the data. Anyway, um, triggered by gut dysbiosis gaps, fixes those problems and fixes them by just changing diet for a while. Justino, it doesn't really have to be, it doesn't have any products to sell, unlike real fad diets usually do, usually, not always master cleanse. Uh, Anyway, if you would like to have uh, an author of a popular level uh, GAPS diet book on the air with Dave, I could arrange it. While I think he should never comment on food as medicine issues again, since it's really not his area of expertise, I do feel that he owes it to his listeners and GAPS people to set the record straight as much as possible. The easy way would be to have an established commenter on the diet. Come on. Happy to arrange that. I'll still listen every week, of course, even if Dave was just packing sugar, honey, and iced tea when you address uh, address that topic. Let me know. Thanks. Alan Balliet from Shepherdstown, West Virginia. I'll have someone on, but I mean, I may... I may look... We'll see how much I know when the expert comes on, and we'll see whether or not we'll see what happens. I'm happy to have someone on, and I would love someone to come on and tell me that you know the red flags that are raised when I look at it are not red flags, and that I'm you know a bad or unknowledgeable you, person. You
3: typically don't talk. You typically don't talk about diet and, and health much. Right? I was
2: asked specifically yeah. about it. I avoid it not because I don't think about it, but because in general I think most. Proscriptive diet plans are horse hockey, yeah, I, I, unless someone proves to me otherwise, my general idea is because the human body is so freaking complex that right. most of the data that people rely on, and this is this is not i 'm not talking off the top of my head here. this is based on not specifically the gaps diet because i haven 't read about it, but like m- much much wading through horse like scientific horse hockey on many different diets like salt msg. Um, you know, uh, auto intoxication—the whole load of horse crap that we've been uh, handed by people over the mm-hmm. past 150 years—I uh, am just—I ex- am extremely cautious about people telling people that they how they can change their lives by manipulating the extraordinarily complex and poorly understood system that is the human body, right? Right. Fair
0: enough. Uh, we have to end, Dave. Um, thank you so much, Kenji, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, the for yeah, thanks me. Kenji. Yeah. The book right. is The Food Lab Better Home Cooking Through Science, available everywhere. Um, that's it, Dave.
3: All right. All right.